Alright, and we're live. So today we have a very special guest, and I usually say that, but this time I actually mean it. I don't, not that I don't always mean it, but today we've got a very unique um, and interesting guest. Um, it's one I've been looking forward to having on the show. So we have Ed and Leanne. So Ed and Leanne, why don't you tell us about who you are and why you're here and why you guys are so different than, than most of our guests. Well, I'm Edward Payton, and I, our niche market probably is that we sell old government underground real estate, missile-based properties. And we've been doing this for a few years with considerable success. Okay, so for people who don't know, missile bases, you guys are actually taking old missile bases, missile silos, and converting them into homes, or what do you, what do you guys do? We, Go ahead. We actually, we actually just sell the structures as they presently exist. Okay. And we have them in very rough condition. We do very little renovation. Sometimes we'll do some pumping out of water that's accumulated. And we just sell, these are all very unique structures, historic with historic significance, and we just market them to new owners who have plans for them. Okay, so the main question is why? <laughs> why missile bases? How did you get into that, and what, uh, what, what got you into it? Well, I live in one. Okay. Uh, my wife and I live in an Atlas E missile base here in Kansas. Uh, we have owned that 31 years. We have lived there about 20 years, and we love it. And we learned a lot about that in our process of refurbishing this rough site. It's a very large structure, very well built, and uh, we feel very blessed and fortunate ever to have such a home. Okay. It's definitely uh, unique, and it's probably the most unique homes or type of uh, buildings we've had on the show. So how many are actually out there then that are either being used or not being used? Do you know kind of an idea of how many missile, missile bases are out there? Well, yeah, there are hundreds of those, but there are some that hold more potential than others. There are okay. some that are being destroyed because of treaty agreements, and some of the early ones were larger, and they were never intentionally damaged, and those are the ones we focused on. And there, there are about 119 of what we call the first generation of missile structures. That's what we work with most. And then there's some other things that have come on since that uh, Leanne and Matthew have been working with that goes beyond those. Yeah, so my name is Leanne Fulkerson, and um, I'm a longtime friend of Ed. And about five years ago, uh, Ed kind of asked me to come aboard with him, and it was quite an honor. I was very surprised about that. But um, I work with sales and marketing and um, that technology and things like that, and so he wanted some fresh energy and just some help with sales and marketing. And so and about that time, Matthew at Missile Base, where he lives, I was visiting there, and Matthew just happened to be there. and. We met and fell in love. It was like love at first sight. Can you imagine that? A missile-based marriage. So we did. We got married there. We lived there for a year. And um, as a partner, um, husband and wife team, now we work with Ed and Diana on 20th Century Castles. And it's it's so fun. It's so different. And it's not a job that, you know, when people ask me what I do, you know, <laughs> and I tell them I work with underground missile bases, they're like, what? You know, and... Definitely um, is the topic of some fun conversations. So yeah, so Sorry. Matthew and I have been doing this with Ed and Diana now since about 2010. Although they've been doing okay. it since 
1995. So they're kind of mentoring us along and, and helping us learn. And, and Matthew and Leanne have brought a whole new skill set of technological expertise that's, that's really boosted everything for us. And I'm, I'm kind of technologically <laughs> limited. And so we need this, this young, new energy and, and knowledge, and it's been, it's been a very good fit. Good. So now I have to ask, are you in a missile base right now? No, we are not. Okay. We are actually okay. in uh, our house, which is uh, just about a mile and a half from Ed's missile site. So we okay. are from this area. In fact, Matthew grew up at the house that's next door to where we are now and um, just grew up out here and in the Flint Hills of Kansas. And uh, we're kind of neighbors to Ed. And that's how they met. And so okay. uh, it turns out that we had an opportunity to um, uh, be in this place now where we are. And it's an old native stone house. Uh, in Kansas, so it's a pretty sweet little place to be, but we are above ground. <laughs> so, uh, now I just want to explain, so you guys aren't real estate agents, and we know that, but I, the, the, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is obviously you have an incredible niche, um, you guys have something unique going on, but you're still involved in selling, it's still real estate, it's real property, so you may not be licensed, and we'll talk a bit about that and some of the reasons why you aren't real estate agents, but just so the viewers know. So, what obviously? What's a typical price on uh, on a missile base? <laughs> well, it very it does vary greatly. Some of the rough sites, and back in the mid '90s, we were selling some of these properties for forty thousand dollars, sixty thousand wow. dollars, and there were numerous ones that we sold under a hundred thousand dollars. There's none of that anymore. Right. Everyone has caught on to these unique structures largely through our marketing efforts. Uh, some of the value of these go up into a few million dollars. All of these structures that we work with w cost the taxpayers millions of dollars to build. And so they are multi-million dollar structures in the rough ready for new retrofit plans. And a lot of people are seeing the value in that. Okay. So who would you say is a typical buyer for you guys then? Well, there's not a typical buyer. We, again, um, the buyers that we run into run the gamut. You know, they're individuals, they're all ages, they're from all walks of life, from all over the world. And I think one of the things that strings um, some of the common, common characteristics is that most of these people are very bold, brave, and unique people. They're um, they're very uh, they want something different in their lives. They're not interested in what everybody else has. You know, they they want something different. And a lot of these people are similar to Ed here, who is a very driven person. And he is the kind of guy that doesn't like to sit down and just sit around and do nothing. He wants something to do. He likes I'm to be actually busy. a workaholic. Okay. And I enjoyed applying my work efforts to a, a grand project. Yeah. And, and a lot of the people that we work with have a similar feeling. In the beginning, there were many people, or numerous people, who were retiring and wanted a project. Right. And they wanted to, to have this unique home, maybe build a house on top. We always... In the beginning, we through the years, we have talked with numerous ones who are kind of survivalist-oriented, 
and maybe they're fear-based and want, want to duck and cover underground. Uh, these, these properties are all nuclear-proof, or at least nuclear-resistant structures. And there, there is, there's a number of people who like that. Yeah. Uh, after 9-11, we talked to a lot of companies who were interested in secure data storage. Right. Because, again, these structures offer a certain level of security. Right. Uh, where, where many things were compromised and lost in the towers in New York. And, and then more and more, though, we're finding that they're the high-end buyers are who we need to talk to now. Okay. Uh, the value of these properties are are soaring. Yes. Right. And the supply and demand. There's a limited, obviously, a limited number of them. They're not building more of them, so the demand goes up. It's that's real estate 101. Absolutely. So, do you get a lot of organizations buying them, or do you have? Is it mostly the general public that's buying them? Hmm. I I would say it's mostly general public. There there are some groups who have pooled money. Okay. A lot of times, a family group where numerous people are, are putting money together to purchase and then refurbish these unique sites. Okay. So my first question then is, well, not my first because I've asked a few, but how do you actually find them? Do you know, do you know how many are actually out there? Do you have, is that on record, or how are you getting a hold of these? Well, I was very fortunate back in the early 1990s, a, a base historian from the SAC base in Omaha, Nebraska, came to our site to just visit and tour. And he left me a very interesting book that showed where all of the first generation missile sites were located. Okay. And the the internet was at that time not what it now is. And there was a time we had a monopoly. We had a monopoly on knowing where some of these properties were. Right. And I remember spending uh, about two months of constant phone calls tracking down the owners calling the county officials, the tax appraisers or the uh, register of deeds offices, and getting the names of these owners of these properties. And, and then we begin to contact them and ask them if they were interested in selling, and many were. Uh, we almost immediately had 20 or 25 maybe sites for sale mm -hmm. in the 90s. And so, and now, of course, the internet is so thorough. Everybody knows yeah. where they all are, right? And everybody knows what we've been doing, and the values of these have been increasing. Okay. So now uh, you described finding the buyers. For you, how do you find the sellers? Or the sorry, the, you said that how do you find the sellers? How do you find the buyers yeah. now? Because that's obviously a big piece of it is finding people who are going to want to buy these. Yes, we um, <laughs> finding them. Sometimes they come to us, and okay. our primary tool is our website. Um, that is right now in the process of being upgraded and um, kind of refreshed. But over the years, the the website has been kind of our primary um, source of getting the information out. And we have people who follow our website for years, actually coming back and back to see what our inventory holds at the time and whether or not they can find something that they like. Um, and, you know, it's not like we have hundreds and hundreds of, of things out there. It's just a very few pieces available at any given time. So um, so that's one way. Another way that uh, we're doing it is we are also um, moving more toward trying to capture some more of the media, which has also really boosted our our 
presence. You know, when people see a, a Ed and Diana on, you know, Doomsday Preppers or National Geographic or History or those kind of big channels, um, those avenues have also really um, boosted uh, pu public knowledge. But now it doesn't hasn't necessarily always meant more buyers, especially over the course of the last well since 2008, I would say. Um, some people have come to us and know because hey they saw us on TV, but for the most part, like I said, marketing has really had to shift because our market has shifted uh, up a level. I mean, it's like now this this these sites are just not usually in the realm of what most people can afford, right. and so um, that definitely means that we have to change our strategy and the way we think about who is going to be buying. You know, who are the people that are going to be buying these things? So I know in our industry we have we call them tire kickers, people who are wasting time. They just want to check it out, nosy neighbors, whatever. I'm sure you guys must have it to the extreme. You get people who just want to see and hear things. Like, how do you deal with that, or what do you guys what do you guys do with that? Yeah, we definitely talk to a lot of tire kickers, and you know the thing is, is it's kind of flattering because these things are cool. I mean, there's a cool factor here, and that is not undeniable yes. fact. And especially when you're on TV and people see you, you know, and they call and they're like, "Ooh, you know, can we one. come and see it?" Yeah, I want one. I want to see inside of them and and stuff. But you know, a lot, again, a lot of the reason why people buy these is for the sake of privacy and security. Okay, right. and so. It's very difficult to put it all out there and then expect that the new owner is going to have any sort of privacy if we're advertising it like that. So there's a fine line to walk. And so how we do it is we've kind of developed a practice over the years of um, working with these people on the phone. A lot of times people just email us and say, I want to come and see it. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way, you know. It's like first we have to have a conversation. I have to know who you are, you know, and what you're about. Uh, I have to, um, excuse me, I have to, um, you know, work with them in terms of finding out if they're qualified. It's just like uh, you guys do in the real estate world. That you know, they go to their mortgage agent, find out how much they're qualified for, and then you start showing them houses they can actually afford, you know, so they can waste your time. And it's a similar thing with us. I mean, we have a process whereby we ask them to purchase a video tour first because that way, you know, the true buyer isn't going to worry about spending 20 bucks on a video. I mean... They're, you know, that's kind of a primary weed out tool. If they're, if they hesitate over spending 20 bucks, then they're not in our realm. You know, yep. they're just not in our realm. So if they really want to know what the inside of it looks like, they buy the video tour, which gives them a, a wealth of visual information. Now we've kind of um, done our video tours a very amateur way, we're just walking through and kind of talking about stuff and and things like that because you know we got to get done, we got to go quick and you know. Honestly, they're going to end up seeing it for real if they're a true buyer anyway. Absolutely. So this is just kind of to give them a sense of, okay, yeah, this is what I thought it would be, or whoa, that is not what I want. You know, it kind of is like yes or no kind of weed out tool for them as well. Like I am interested, or no, I'm not interested anymore. You know, 
Um, so they go through the video process, and then uh, we also ask them to demonstrate their financial capability in some manner. So they can send us a bank uh, statement, or they can put us in contact with their bank representative, and we can make a phone call. Now, I don't need to know their total net worth, and I don't need to know their total in their bank account. I just need to know that they're capable or that they have financing in place or whatever their situation is, but then I'm dealing with the real McCoy. Yep. Because I tell you what, when I ask for that statement, about 99% of people drop off the planet. Like, yep. I never hear from them again. Yep. So, um, so that's kind of how we do it. And once they send us that information, then I'm all, I'm all for them, you know, and we do we try to give people as much information as we can because we definitely want our clients to be happy we want them to know what they're getting into we want them to know the full scope of it you know like we don't try to say oh oh it's really great when we know it's pretty rough you know it's just like we were real honest because lying about it or misrepresenting it does not you know do us any favors you know it just it doesn't work so it's a, we try it's a to small community so you don't want to burn any bridges in your community so oh no one, and one of the problems with uh, with our marketing is that we're working with properties all over the country. Yeah. We, we've sold properties in New York. We've sold properties in Washington State and Texas, yeah. uh, up to Nebraska, and just many, many areas. And we uh, travel to show these properties gets right. expensive. Yeah. And that's why the video marketing has been very helpful to us. Right. Uh, we don't want to travel. It's expensive and time-consuming to travel yeah. for for us as and as salesperson and for the buyer. So so we try to pre-qualify interest levels with this yeah. video. It's been rather well for us. And yet we don't always want to stream all of this video, where again people are wanting some privacy with right. this kind of real estate. We yeah. don't want to have it out there exposed to the world. Absolutely. Most of the time. Yeah, it's it's like in our industry with the high end homes. Um, a lot of people like to go look at people call it real estate porn, where they have luxury homes. But the people that live in those luxury homes, they don't want their lives broadcast. They don't want to show all the valuable things that they have out there. So it's finding that balance of keeping their privacy intact, but still letting people get a chance to see things. Right. So what we do is we have a lot. We have images, still photos, we have historical information so that people can get a sense of what the underground footprint is of the building because, you know, a lot of people call me and they go, well, I'm really interested in that Nike you got out there in Ohio, you know, how, you know I want to go take a tour. And I'm like, well, my first question is, are you familiar with what the Nike missile base is, how it's laid out? Yeah. Well, no, not really. You know, and so they, they just don't even know what they're looking at. You know, they, they have no understanding of what they're even getting into. And so I try to, I do a lot of educating, you know, people on what the underground floor plan is, how thick are the walls, how deep is it, you know, what are the basic pieces of infrastructure, um, you know, how much earth is over the top. I mean, there's just a lot of pieces of information like that. You know, what kind of rocket was in there? What were they used for? And uh, what are the environmental impacts of this, you know, Army Corps of Engineers, you know, type of thing? So there's just, there's a lot of understanding to happen that needs to happen for people. Yep. And then once they realize, oh, this is industrial grade infrastructure, hmm, I really don't know what you're talking about. You know, then they realize, oh, maybe this isn't for me. You know, it's not like just buying a house where you have all this stuff that you're familiar with. I mean, everybody knows what a water heater is and everybody knows what their basic 
heating and cooling situation looks like. But when you start looking at these, you know, huge pieces of machinery and large, a lot of piping, a lot of conduit, a lot of, you know, different types of, you know, heavy infrastructure, um, it just takes people into a whole different world. Yep. And that's uh, having to refurbish that and restructure that. I mean, you, you got to be brave. You, you can't not be brave, right, Ed? I mean, yes. <laughs> got to be brave. Yeah. And, that, and again, that's why we're having on as the niche agent. Having a specialty, you guys know all that. Whereas if someone else was just to try to buy that or figure that out on their own, they're up against way more hurdles than anyone else would be. So by having someone like you guys who know what you're talking about makes a big difference. So how have you found maybe the competition or if there's other people out there doing this? Obviously, you guys know more than the average person buying a missile base. So how, how are, do you, would you find yourself on the, the grand scheme of things? We have sold more underground missile base and bunker-type properties than anyone in the country except the government. Right. And we got into it earlier. We yeah. we were ahead of. There are there have been others who have tried to emulate what we're doing, but but we have the track record. Yeah. Uh, we have closed 57 sales over the last 19 years of these kind of properties. No one else has done that. Right. And so we had a lot of experience. Uh, we've learned a lot as we go, and and we we have lived this. Yeah. I mean, we've yep. refurbished. We love it. We believe in it. How many have you been in, Ed? How many sites? Oh, I, I think almost 70 sites. Wow. I have toured personally over the years. So out of the how many, almost 120 that exist, he's been in 70 of those. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just like no one, no one has that, you know, really. Yeah. And he, he knows these things inside and out because again, especially the Alice E, because he knows where everything is. He's, he lives in it. He sees it. He deals with it every day. He has to, you know, learn how to live in a symbiotic relationship with this structure and, and how to transform it from this hardened object that was so cold and industrial, and he's turned it into this amazing, beautiful, warm home that feels like a home. It doesn't even, you wouldn't know you were in an old bunker, you know, but um, but it, it is a matter of, like, putting in your time, and I tell you what, us being there and, and seeing what Ed's done and, and also kind of participating in some of the aspects of that and then having been in other ones, um, you know, it really depends on the type of structure. There's so many different types. You know, the whole Atlas program went through various iterations from the D where they didn't have a missile base. It was all just up on the ground and unprotected from anything. They could just be, they were total targets. Then they went to the E, which is what Ed has. And then they went to the F, which was the silo tube. And and then, you know, that was in. I mean, the, the Atlas program even up to very recently, has launched miss, you know, satellites and other stuff up into space. So the Atlas missiles are still, were still being used even mm. into the early 2000s for that. So the whole Atlas. A bit of a technical difficulty. We're back <laughs> and uh, get keep going with that. So uh, I think the last question we were asking was, uh, actually I'm trying to remember what it was. Actually, I was <laughs> going to ask you is financing for for most people, obviously, this is not something that a typical bank is going to finance. So do you guys have lenders that you use, or do you, are you financing it, or are people funding it out of their own pocket, or what? what's the situation with that? 
Well, of course, of course, we love it when we find a cash buyer. Yes. But th those are rare. Yeah. Uh, there are numerous properties that we have where the owner will finance, will carry yeah. some of the financing on a contract for deed arrangement. And yet they usually require a rather sizable down payment, which is understandable. So, yeah. uh, and this is one, one thing that as the economy has tightened and banks have uh, become more uh, responsible and careful, uh, financing has been a problem for us and it's reduced the, the sales that we've been able to make. Yeah, it's definitely okay. moved our buyers into a higher bracket. You know, people yes. who have access to more liquid income or who have assets that they can liquidate in order to, you know, generate the funds necessary for this type of thing. The, the one thing I will say, though, is that, um, you know, if we are working with a property that has already been converted into a home or have a uh, some substantial business uh, capability in it, like a data center or it's clean and ready. We have yep. seen um, that be a little bit more successful because um, you know it, it's already justifiable. There are images there. It's a right. home, you know, and, and there especially if it's a if there's any sort of above ground home in addition to what's underground. Um, right. And the, what we run into is. Because the market value of these properties is usually much higher than what the what they're appraised at by the bank, yeah. that is why right. they that no one wants to finance them because banks just don't know what to do with these, True. and neither do appraisers. Yeah. They usually appraise what's above ground. They don't go into the basement. You know, the comparable are difficult. Right? There's there's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do that, and so. Um, so, but people know what they are, and they're willing to pay for them, and so the prices are high, and so the price value versus the market value is so different that it's just very difficult to achieve a financeable situation unless you do, like like Ed said, have a very sizable down payment or have a business plan. Right. If you have a strong business plan and and a relationship with your lending institution. Uh, that incorporates a, a structure like this, like for example, a data center. It makes perfect sense. I mean, there it is it, a scenario. So if you have a strong business plan and you're ready to move forward into an expansion that might require an underground structure like these, I think you're in a much better position for financing than, let's say, you know, Joe Smith who decides that the apocalypse is coming and he wants to build a, you know, a missile base home. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a whole different world. Yep. So. so now if you don't mind me asking, you don't have to give me the specifics, but how do you guys actually get paid out of this? Are, are you taking a commission like we would in real estate where you get a percentage of it or how, how is it, how is, are you for your business, how are you guys running that then? Well, what we actually do is buy and sell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we, our company buys the properties from the owner and then we sell to our buyer. Okay. And of course, we try to build in some profit there in the process. Yep. Yep. So, are you scouting ahead, finding them, and then finding buyers for it, or do you already have buyers lined up, and then you go find the ones that are available? Kind of both, I think. Yeah, we do it either way. We often find the properties, and we will uh, describe and list those on the internet, and then and buyers come around. But it can work the other way also. Okay. And oftentimes, you know, we have people who own these that are coming to us going, we want to put our missile base for sale with you guys. Right, which and makes sense. 
and yeah, we're the ones. And so, um, you know, it really it it works both ways. And then of course, because as you know, this has been going on for some time, we do have quite a following. Yeah. So our our general um, you know audience out there stays tuned to see what's going on. And so the buyers may already exist. They just oh my gosh, that's the one. You know, when they see it online. Yeah. Now, Leanne, when we spoke on the phone earlier, you had mentioned you're kind of going, you have another side business on the side as well. So you're doing consulting for people who are buying them then? Uh, yes, we started a, a kind of a spinoff. Right. Anyway, so Plan B Consulting. I yes. think I was just introducing that. Um, yeah. So what we do is we work specifically with, right now anyway, with the Atlas F, which is the silo tube variety of missile base. Are you there? I think he's there again. I'm here. You're there. Okay, because you stopped moving for a second. Okay. So um, the Atlas, yeah, the Atlas F uh, is a very unique structure. It's a super hardened structure. It's one of the most hardened structures mankind has ever built. Um, it's uh, 200 feet deep and 52 feet in diameter, and the walls at the base are over nine feet thick. So um, it, it's it's incredible. And a guy who bought a missile base from 20th Century Castles about seven years ago, six, seven years ago now, he um, developed an amazing plan to work inside this Atlas F and to build it out and to a truly survivable, um, livable home type scenario. And We've seen many people try over the years to work with that Atlas F, but none of them have really succeeded uh, to do right. it. It's just—it's a credible beast to work with. For example, um, here in the state of Kansas, uh, there are, I believe, three of the cranes that are required to that are going to be needed to lower things up and down inside this hole. There are three yep. of them that exist in the entire state. Wow. So it's it yeah it's just like you no one can do this really you know you have to be some kind of a crazy person to try it and and this guy did he he did an amazing job his name's Larry Hall and he owns a a, a brand now called this the Survival Condo and that's okay. what he calls his brand and so we have teamed up with him he's agreed to be our builder. Uh, to work with this Atlas F that uh, Plan B Consulting bought. Actually, it got brought into the 20th Century Castle's inventory, and then, you know, we looked at ourselves and said, hey, you know, why are we selling this? We should buy it ourselves and and have Larry build it out. And so right. that's what we did. Uh, we found it a separate LLC, and uh, right now we're in the process of marketing that to a single owner for their exclusive okay. use. So, um, so that's what we do, and we also in, involved with that. Uh, we do other consulting on these sort of long-term sustainable things. So, like for example, I work with LED lighting. So, um, I, I have a lot of knowledge on LED, both for using to grow food as well as to you know illuminate your home in a very creative way. Um, I also do aquaponics with my husband. Um, we work on aquaponics systems, which are closed-loop systems that grow fish and food in the same um, closed-loop system, and it's very water-efficient and energy-efficient, and it's actually about 80 times greater productivity than traditional gardening. 
gardening methods. Wow. So it's it's really wow. amazing. Uh, process. So, uh, you know, we talk about food security, how to store food properly, um, how to work with water resources, you know, and wind and solar. And so we are always looking out for the cutting edge technologies about, you know, who's developing what and what's going on and how we can we incorporate these things. And in the structure that we, that Larry Hall has built, he's incorporated a lot of these redundant uh, self-sustainable systems that are definitely off-grid and so mm -hmm. um, well, that's that's kind of some of the things that we want to incorporate with Plan B as well. well that was just going to companies that you guys work with or resources and industries so that's obviously some of them. Is there other people who know these whether it's contractors, whether it's HVAC people, things like that you obviously must have a pool of resources of people that you can, can uh, pull from. Yeah, we're building that. Um, because in Diana, really, with 20th Century Castles, uh, they haven't really focused on the refurbishing aspect over the years. They've really focused on just uh, sales of the structures. And, you know, refurbishing is like a whole different can of worms. Yeah. And there's a lot of liability with that. And it's just not something that we've wanted to dip into. And so, um, you know, we haven't really needed it. But... Of course, you know, with Plan B, uh, we are definitely looking to build resources like that. Like, for example, with lighting, I really believe in a company called LED Source. Um, they are uh, a lighting company that does lighting design, and they also retail products. And they're uh, they're an amazing company. They do entertainment, so they have a wide variety of cre creative uses for LED. The only thing they don't really do right now is grow lighting, and so I have to look for another people for that. And so grow lighting is kind of uh, also experiencing a lot of change in their industry, and new products are coming on, and, and everybody's starting to understand how to use these LEDs for growing food and so right. new uh, systems are always coming out so yeah we are interested in people who can work with these sorts of um, infrastructure we would like to know more about people who are interested in um, in doing that but with this particular one we we have a commitment with Larry Hall to okay. do it and yep. um, and he's going to be my builder for any Atlas F that I do because I don't trust anyone else but him. And you got it. You guys know who knows what, and you got to work with who you work with. So I'll throw yeah. it out there too. So if we have anybody who's listening, um, if they know anybody or have any connections, and I can, I'll let them connect with you guys. So if they know anybody that might be suitable for you guys, I'll I'll get uh, the listeners sure. to do that. Good, so, because like I said, the Atlas F. Just excuse me, one thing. The Atlas Fs are just one kind. There may right. be people. As we move forward with a higher-end clientele, oftentimes they do want a more turnkey solution. You know, they don't they don't have time for a project. They don't know everything. But if we have people in our kind of bag of tricks, you know, in our contact list that we can kind of connect them up with so that yep. they can develop a plan together, that would probably be a very helpful thing as we move forward to trying to connect with some of these higher-end people who want the structure but don't necessarily know how to work with it. Yeah. Um, it, giving them the contacts would be good. Perfect. Now, my friend Adam, he's an agent in the office. He wanted me to ask you, how the heck do you do an inspection on one of these properties? Because it's hard enough to do a home inspection on a regular home. So what, how do you do inspections on these? And how do you know what's right and what's wrong? Or I've got to say that uh, these are some of the strongest and well-built structures <laughs> ever built on the planet. Okay. And, of course, they have been for military use. 
Most of the counties where these exist are rural and there is very little uh, control or inspection uh, required in those counties. Right. Most of the properties that we sell have a pretty much of a free hand to develop as they want. Okay. And nobody nobody says much or requires much around that. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask: is is there zoning issues or is there licensing issues or anything like that? For obviously, building permits are not going to be normal. Do Do you find people hit those roadblocks when they're buying these or? Zoning zoning issues probably more so than the codes, building codes, and so forth. And yet, as I say, a lot of these properties, even though it is becoming more and more tightly controlled, as so many things are, yes. many of these properties have a pretty free hand to develop as they choose. Right. Okay. So if I got to ask, if you weren't selling missile bases, what would you be doing? I, know. <laughs> I, I don't know. For 19 years, I was a public school teacher, a secondary okay. school teacher with a degree in history and psychology, and I enjoyed that for a while, but um, that was enough, and so we <laughs> like to own the properties. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think I would probably be doing other sorts of uh, sales and marketing. Um, I've been doing that for quite a while. I also worked in higher ed as well and so uh, you know doing um, program development and student services advising that kind of thing and I may be doing that but it's a uh, it's been really an amazing opportunity to work with Ed and and you know what we do sometimes it seems full-time like there's always stuff going on and we get really busy and and other times there's not a lot going on you know and we're just like a little slow and Things aren't happening, especially over the winter. I mean, right. winter is dead. Nobody wants snow. to go trek around in the snow to look yeah. at a missile. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we we have slow times and, and fast times, and so you know that it, doing other having something else to do in the meantime. You know, we do a lot of gardening. Ed has a huge garden, and we do a lot of other research to kind of augment our knowledge. We we do a lot of gatherings and, and talking about issues that are important to us and, and try to really come up with ways to to understand how we can respond uh, to what's going on in the world. Okay. Well, that's that's good. For Now, obviously, because it's a niche agent, we have a lot of people who want to learn about niches and they want to go deep with something. Do you, obviously, we know you feel passionate about it, but do you think people should find something they're passionate about or something they know a lot about if they're interested in finding a niche for themselves. For you, obviously, you're passionate about it and it helps, but do you have any advice for people if they are thinking about just creating a niche? Sometimes if you do, sometimes when you do what you love, the money follows. Right. Our project, our project with our missile site refurbishment was, it was very hard work and long and enduring effort, and yet we loved it. We loved it and now we continue to love living in this very unique home. And, and the, the business has evolved around that. And so I, I think you, you have it right there, that when you follow, in ways, follow your heart, follow your, your impulse and direction, that there, there are profit uh, to be gained around that. If I may say, you know, the, we call our company 20th Century Castles because we think that these old bunkers of course, built by the government uh, for military protective purposes, yep. are sort of the 
castles, the counterpart of those European castles yep. that have always held such mystery and interest. It's the 20th century's part of that. And, and we think that these, these structures are going to exist for hundreds and hundreds of years into the future. They're awfully well built. And, and I have really enjoyed putting my energy into such a project. And I think there are others who are seeing the longevity of these structures and what they do offer. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just been so much fun. And then to, to make some nice profit on, on the side has been doubly good. Definitely. Yeah, I meet a lot of interesting people in the process, for sure. A lot of very unique yeah. people. Um, being in a missile-based ownership position and being in one of these structures, and I mean, it's different if you just own a piece of ground that has one on it, you know, and I'm not really necessarily counting those people because there are those people who own them but really don't deal with them at all. I'm talking about yeah. the people who are inside of them, who are working with them, who are really trying to, to deal with that structure. And they're kind of an elite few. I mean, they're, it's a kind of a club. You know, it's an elite club. And I think it takes a, definitely a passion to do, to do it. You know, it takes a, someone who's got a lot of tenacity and, and courage and uh, skill set to bring. And with regard to your niche concept, you know, you have to love it, it's true. You have to love it, but you also have to really become an expert on it. You have to really have more than just a love. You have to know what you're doing. You have to understand how um, it works and be able to talk about it. And like you use the phrase, go deep, you know, and it is. There's a lot of depth and expertise that if you're in a niche area, you have to have that or else you don't have a niche, yep. in my opinion. You know, so um, so having something that you are just like the expert on, uh, I think, is really important. And then of course, knowing how to um, find those other people who are also craving what you have. Yep. Um, that you may have a niche, but you may not have a niche market. You know what I mean? I, I teach to have a niche market. There's a market for it somewhere. Yeah. I mean, there are many people who really love spotted leopards and, you know, want to have, you know, purple kangaroos, but who else wants purple kangaroos? You know, yeah. it's like if nobody else cares about purple kangaroos, then, you know, you're out. So what? You're just a weirdo that likes purple kangaroos. <laughs> so, you know, having having that people out there and being able to draw them into you somehow and get social and I'm gosh the internet has just created such avenues to connect you could put a Google group out there for people who love purple kangaroos you know and and then suddenly that group is filled up you know Facebook is full of purple kangaroo lovers before you know it you know where did they come from you never knew so many people in the world love these purple kangaroos but but that you wouldn't find them you know 20 years ago you would never know that there's a purple kangaroo lover just like right next door to you, you know, or that, you know, is halfway around the world and, and now you can share your purple kangaroo stories, you know. And so that that's kind of what, you know, I really like about this is that finding, drawing those people to you who have interests. And, and what we've dealt with, I think, for the past, I don't know, how many years now, maybe 10 is all of these preppers, you know, people who are really fearful, people who want something safe and secure, they want to go underground, they want to have a place where they can retreat, you know, and get out of society and be off-grid, and, and you know, I'm not 
saying that these people don't have any legitimate concerns because some of them, you know, we share some of their concerns about the state of affairs in the world today. And I don't want to mock them, but we've experienced a lot of mocking in the press, a lot of mockery, people making, you know, preppers look like crazy people with guns that are violent and just obsessed and, like, just, I don't know, not really very tastefully done. Yeah. Um, and we don't, we're not like that. I mean, that's not who we are. That's not our story. Yeah. Um, we're more about transformation. But we will say that these, these um, structures definitely have um, something that other places don't. You know, they're, they're definitely places where you can be safe and secure. You know, yeah. and um, so, but dealing with those people who have that interest, we've kind of had to... Um, the media has helped us and, and hurt us at the same time right. because they've made us feel like we're part of this category, but we're we're really not. I mean, we're really much bigger than that because we have so many more high-end clients. We have businesses who want to make these into legitimate uh, research and development facilities or data storage facilities, and there are some pretty high-tech data storage facilities that are, could be possible inside these structures. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, we just, we're not preppers. We're not lumped into preppers. I don't, I, we just really need to distance ourselves from that sort of media attention, and we're doing that. We're just saying no to people who have yep. agendas. No. no. <laughs> so. So, and I was going to, sorry, go ahead. As, as in some ways I consider myself a historian, yeah. have a degree in that and taught it for years. And uh, we know that society is changing. There's changes all around us on, on a global scale. And you, you take these old government properties that have special air filtration systems and that uh, were meant to resist nuclear blast and that have all kinds of Options. EMP protection. Yeah, EMP protection. There's lots of things that could happen where these would be a really nice place to hang out. Yeah. And <laughs> sensing, are sensing the options. You know, the healthiest persons are the person with the most options. Exactly. Yeah. And having a hardened structure, it's nice picking up after the government. <laughs> they have all the best things. They spend yeah. endless millions on them, and when they're finished, they couldn't care less about them. Yeah. And so we step in and kind of pick up their leavings and, and make a market for it, and it's, it's been good. Perfect. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up quickly. So where do you see the, the future of uh, your company going, and what, what do you guys have in the works? I think Leanne and Matthew are on track with the plan B of some of the new direction for this. Uh, there's, there's a part of, we've been, I, I know Diane and I have been doing this for 19 years. We're almost wearing down on it. It's been fun, it's been profitable. Uh, I'm almost ready to retire back a little bit so Matthew and Leanne may know more about the future than I. Yeah, I mean, we see uh, definitely, you know, if Ed is passing the torch and, and kind of saying, hey, you know, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the game, but you guys, you know, do this stuff because the technology is definitely um, changing. And people are, are talking to us about that. Our, our clients are like, well, why do we have to buy these videos? Why can't we just 
go online and watch them, you know, and they're kind of mad because we're asking them to spend money on that. But, you know, again, uh, website updates are coming up. Uh, we're in the process of that. We're getting near to that. Um, and also, like, having a more... Um, turnkey solution for people so that we can talk about the base and have a bag of tricks, I call them, or have a nice round contact list full of people who are waiting there for these customers who have the skills and have the interest in putting together a development plan. Because whether people buy them, I think the thing that that the next hurdle is after getting the cash there to put down on the structure is what do we do with this thing you know yeah. now that we've got it and that can be a real problem in fact we've we've sold some of these sites multiple times because people bought them did a yeah. few things and then we're like this is too big you know this is too big <laughs> and so they say here sell it again and always for more always for more right yeah, yeah. You, you, you take a a multi-million dollar structure that's in the rough, it's been ignored maybe for decades, and then you begin to clean it up, and if you make it homey and livable, the value soars. Right. Uh, we bought our property, oh, I hate to even say this, we bought our property 31 years ago for $40,000. Wow. It's an awful lot more oh, yeah. now. It's been the investment of a lifetime. Yeah. And, there, and we look for others who'd like to share in that kind of experience. Yeah. So the future will hopefully be um, continue to do this, continue to work with missile bases because again, uh, we definitely continue to have a lot of interest. Um, but uh, the interest, unfortunately, is turning away from, or the ability is turning away from the average person like Ed. I mean, he's a school teacher. His wife is also in the school district. Yeah. We could have know? never done this today. No, today yeah. Ed and Diana would be like. We were some of the first ones ever to, to yeah. buy and then refurbish these things. Pioneers, these guys yeah. were. you know, And they really helped to create this niche field and to help people see the possibilities of transformation how possible it really is and and it's it's amazing what they've done uh, so you know we don't want their their tradition and their lineage to die out we want to continue to to help people understand that these are structures that are very valuable they're hard assets they're not liquid assets you buy into these things you're in it for a while you know yeah. don't expect to like to be like a house where you're just gonna flip <laughs> it, you know, in a couple of years yeah. it's not like so, um, you know, but, but they're still, they can pass down to generation after generation. They're going to be there in your family like a castle. And, and, and just like coins and cars and other things that are rare in a very limited supply, that's what this type of real estate is indeed. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so what... Please wrap up the show with one, sharing one piece of uh, good advice or golden nugget of information. So if people are thinking about... Obviously not your niche, but just niches in general. Can you give, share your insights or uh, feedback? I would say for me, if and I often say this, if, if I could have set down my dreams 30 years ago, and if I could have dreamed the wildest, most amazing dream possible, it wouldn't match what's evolved for <laughs> us. It's been wonderful. Wow. It's been great. And, it, and it's been hard work and and discipline and focus and and then following just following our hearts on many things and uh, 
doing what we wanted to do and have it turn out beyond our expectation. Yeah. It's been a real interesting journey just watching these guys, you know, watching what they've done, looking at how things have unfolded, being taught and kind of trained up in how to do this. And, um, you know, what I would say too is that don't go into a niche thinking that because you love it, it's going to be easy because it's the opposite. You love it and you're good. You may hate it from day to day. You may think, oh my gosh, this is not easy, you know, and I love this stuff and I also hate it at the same time, you know. <laughs> There's going to be days when it feels like that. But a niche market is definitely about longevity. I mean, niche markets, I mean, there may be niche markets that pop up and like are trends and they're like a flash, you know, in the pan. You can just make a bunch of money right away and grab it while it's hot. But um, what we are doing is a longevity type of thing where our niche market is, um, it's a generational and it, it's um, based on continuing to develop your knowledge over time, developing more experience, developing a more deeper understanding and, of how to work within your market and being flexible uh, as the market changes because that's really stymied us for the last, I would say, probably five years. We've been like going, what happened to this market? You know, where did everybody go and how come we're, you know, the sales are slowing down so much and, and we realized really it, it's because of the economy, you know, the, the average buyer that we used to have isn't there anymore and the value of our property has not gone down. It's continued to go up. So that just creates this gap between who can and can't uh, jump in. So we, that has definitely had, you know, caused us to really look at our agility and our ability to respond to the market changes and, and what do we do in the face of these changes. I mean, we're used to talking to preppers, you know, we're used to talking to these crazy people on the phone all day who just want a missile base, you know, man, yeah. new day, I got to get me one of these and how do I get it and where, what bank is going to finance me and all these questions and, and now it's just like, Honestly, I don't waste my time with those people anymore. Okay. I don't want to sound rude or anything. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's like it's I, I do what works, you know, and, and so really getting pre-qualified and making sure that you qualify that the people that you're going for in your market are first of all, really understand your market, know what you're what they're after. You gotta be able to educate them. And then they have to be as passionate about it as you are, you know, so that you create the value there. Okay, great. So I gotta ask: if a zombie apocalypse hap happened, is a missile silo the best place to be? Yes. <laughs> okay. Unless the okay. zombie happened inside the missile base first. <laughs> you, oh, that's good to know. Okay, so uh, we'll wrap up. There. <laughs> So if people want to check out what you guys are doing, uh, if they want to see what you're about, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you and find out what you guys are doing? Um, our website is missilebases.com. Okay. Uh, yeah, missilebases.com. If you just look up missile bases, Google missile bases, our, con our site come comes up. up top. That's how and I found you. <laughs> yeah, really easy to find. Okay. Now, Plan B consulting isn't quite as easy. Um, you have to type in a long address. It's prepare thrivesustain.com okay. has nothing to do with plan B and we're doing that kind of on purpose to keep uh, I don't use SEO on my website uh, like I want the people 
who go to my website, they know where to go. You know what right. I mean? Those are the people I want. Like, they've been invited almost to come to the website. And so, but it's preparethrivesustain.com, and that talks a little bit about Plan B consulting and what we're about. Um, and definitely the best way is email us um, through our websites. If you would like to get a hold of us, email us. Uh, our phone numbers are also there on the website. You can call us. We're usually available, although Ed's very busy. So <laughs> sometimes you have to leave a message for him. Okay. So, yeah, we'll put that below so people can uh, check that out and see what you guys are up to then. We'd love to talk right. to you guys. Great. Well, thank you again for being on the show. I have to say this is the most unique uh, guest I've had on the show. So it's been awesome. So thank you again for being on and sharing what you guys are about. And for listeners to check you guys out, and if they have any connections, we'll definitely get them to pass it on to you guys. Yeah, we'd love to connect. Thank you. Thank you for your interest in us. Thank you for being on.